Here's a profound statement for you. Once you see the grace of the Savior, you cannot unsee it. Amen. I won't embarrass the young man who told me that. I just told me that this morning. I thought that was awesome. Once you see the grace of God, you can't unsee it. Last week we were talking about the throne of grace, if you'll recall. Coming to the throne of grace. And we looked at who that throne of grace is. Why we can come to that throne of grace. And this morning I'm going to continue just a little bit with that. Because there's certain qualifications for anyone to come to the throne of grace. You know, the throne of grace is God Almighty. Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He is on his throne, and his throne is the throne of everything. But God is also holy. Can we comprehend that? Not in this flesh we can't. We get a little bit of an inkling, a little bit of a thought about what it is to be holy. But we can't see the totality of it. God is so holy, he is so righteous, he is so perfect, that he cannot even look upon imperfection. He cannot even look upon sin. So there's some qualifications to be able to come to that throne of grace, isn't there? Three words that this sinner who stands before you, and I shared with you some sins of mine last week. I'm not going to do it again. That was embarrassing. It was, it was important, and it was necessary, but it was still shameful. You, you, you must feel the same if you had to admit your own sins. So this sinner who stands before you, three words are great news to me, and I pray that the Lord may bless you with this also. Sanctification. You know what that means? You understand what that word means? Sanctification is a big old huge word that just means made holy. Set apart from what is not holy. That's a great word for a sinner. Especially one who hopes, hopes, has a great hope that I'll spend eternity with my Lord, with my Lord and Savior. How about you? Is that a good word for you folks? You like that word? Sanctification? How about justification? Is that not a great word for a sinner who needs saving? Somebody who needs to have somebody justify? We try so hard to justify our actions, don't we? <laughs> uh, we can come. I was telling my son this this morning. You can come up with whatever reasons you want to justify what you're doing, but you, gotta, you just got to come to the conclusion that you got to get up, get out there, and get it done. Justification. Glorification. Well, that's going to come with those two other words. Sanctification, justification, finally glorification. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. My message this week is a simple message. I want to bring before you a three-point outline defined by the word of the Most High. That means this. If 
by his word. Not by John Reeves, but his word. And my first point this morning I want to bring before you is the word sanctification. It's a big word and it simply means made holy. It means to dedicate, to set aside for holy uses. It means to be made holy. Now, let me ask you this. If something had to be made holy, would that not suggest that it was not holy before? Once you see the grace of God in salvation, you cannot unsee it. And one of the things that the Lord shows us, very first thing, is that we are not holy in any sense of the word. In fact, we're as sinful as it gets, aren't we? Are we not sinful from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet? If you don't see that in yourself, God has not done a work in your heart. <laughs> to see the truth of what we are is to see our undeserving presence before God. That's what grace means, isn't it? It's undeserving. We're saved by grace through faith, through faith and belief in who He is. God Almighty in the flesh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our substitute, the one who walked this earth. Not only did He take in substitution the wrath of God for us, He established a perfect righteousness for each and every one of us. We're as perfect as He is right now. We are complete in Him, as we saw in Friday night's Bible study. To be sanctified is to suggest that uh, is to suggest that we were uh, unholy at one time. To be made holy is to be suggest that we were unholy to begin with. And the first step is in bringing a dead, unholy sinner to salvation is for them to know that they were dead in trespasses and sin. First Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 15, we read these words. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, that's Paul who wrote that. The Apostle Paul, who God used mightily in writing all these books in the New Testament, he says, of whom I am chief. He says these words also, O wretched man that I am. Not that I was, that I am. That takes God the Holy Spirit to show a dead sinner what he is before God. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Oh, we may think for a few minutes that oh, I'm getting so much better, God will cut your legs out right from underneath you if you belong to him. He won't let that happen very long. And when he does that, usually it's pretty painful. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And Paul wrote this long after his regeneration. He wrote it long after his conversion on that road. And he was pursuing the church at that time. This was long after that. And he still declares himself to be the chief of sinners. Lord called me out of darkness 23-something years ago when I first sat here and heard the gospel preached for the first time. 
Today, I see myself, if not as much as more of a sinner than I was then. I need a Savior more today than I did that day 23 years ago. My pastor who preached for four, almost 38 years will tell you this day, he needs a Savior today more than he did when he first came to know the Lord. Where we came from is ever before us. Lord, help us to see the very pit that you dug us out of, that you pulled us out of, that you reached down and grabbed. Just like you did Peter when Peter began to sink in the, sink in the, in the waters. In love, he reaches down and grabs his own. Go mine, I shall not lose you. It must ever be held before us until we leave this life and enter into the bliss of eternal life into the very presence of Christ Jesus our risen exalted Savior absent to be from this body is to be in the presence of the Lord for those he died for as long as we walk through this life the spirit will war with the flesh but that's only to, to a quickened spirit one that was dead but has been reborn, given life, and made alive, sanctified, made holy. We read, ye must be born again, in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, speaking to Nicodemus, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And we looked a little deeper into this in Friday night's Bible study, where it talks about The Lord is telling his disciples, a rich, it's, it's harder for a rich man, it's harder for a rich man to, be, to go and enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And when everybody thought, well, then who is it that can be saved? He says, with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Here in John 3.80, he says this, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God set a people apart to be made holy. This is how you become sanctified. It must take the act of God. With man, it is, it is impossible. We can't make ourselves sanctified. We can't make ourselves holy. How can something unholy make itself holy? We need a substitute. We need a Savior. Are you with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? Look at verse 13. You know what? i got to get there. That would help, huh? Look at verse 13 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But we are bound to give thanks always to, to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you 
to salvation from the beginning of all creation, before the world, before the foundation of the world, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. It says in John 3.16, Whosoever believeth. How are you going to believe if you've never heard of the true God? A lot of people hear of one called Jesus, a Jesus of their own imagination, one who is waiting. I actually saw one of the relatives from back east put on Facebook, Jesus wants to love you. What an insult to the true and living God. Nowhere in Scripture does it say our God wants, but all over Scripture it says what he has purposed shall come to be, doesn't it? If the Lord has purposed to sanctify a people unto himself through the Spirit, he will teach them and sanctify them through the word of truth, the word of who he is. We are set, about, set apart by the Spirit of all creation to be made holy and without blame before him. Is that not what the word of God says over in Ephesians 1.4, where it says, According as he hath chosen us in him, God the Father hath chosen us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Do you realize then that you were chosen in God before you were ever born? He talks about that between two babies, doesn't he? Two twin boys who were in their mother's womb. Before they were even born, the Lord God chose one to love. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Ooh, people don't like that at all. So that election might stand. God's people love election. Once you've seen the grace of God, you can't unsee it. And I can see clearly, just as every one of you who were chosen of God, you can see clearly that you would not have chosen Him unless He had chosen you first. He'll bring you to know that. If you're sitting there today not knowing that, pray for the Lord to bring it to you. Pray to bring it to you. Lord, show me. Open my eyes to your grace. Open my eyes to the peace of your works and not mine. This setting apart that we just read about in Ephesians 1.4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Did you notice that this setting apart, the sanctification, this being made holy was not an act of man. It was not a decision that we made. It was not a rededication. Oh, I'm going to rededicate my life today. I know people who've been to the baptismal five times. Rededication. When the Lord saves you, you are saved. It's not in any way or a work of man, but it is that of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is of the Lord, declareth the word of God. The dead can't do anything. Lazarus, let me ask you, did Lazarus do anything? You know he came out of the grave still tied in his grave clothing, right? It wasn't until he was all the way outside of that grave when the Lord said, loose him. Loose him. I can imagine what that sight must have been like. 
Imagine what Lazarus, all he could see was the Lord right before him. And he's coming to the Lord. That's how he brings us, folks. He brings us when we're still tied to this flesh. He brings us to him by the power of God speaking to the heart, a new heart. dead can't do anything but Lazarus he didn't make a decision he came forth when God when the God of all creation called his name I heard a pastor say one time he said you know if he didn't abuse Lazarus's name exactly all of the dead would have raised that's how much power Christ has all power in heaven and earth the spirit of God gave Lazarus life that he would hear the effectual calling of the Lord. And that's exactly where you and I were at one point when the Lord called us. We were dead in trespasses and sin. But how then are we made holy? How can we be made holy? How can we be sanctified, set apart? That brings me to my second point, justification. Sin cannot be in the presence of the Most High he who is holy cannot look upon it, as I mentioned a moment ago. It is to be punished. His justice must be satisfied. Blood must be shed. The one who sins must surely die. Did you know that all of God's people died in His Son, the Lord Jesus? We died in Him. Yeah, the flesh is still going on. And Lord, help us to live in Him now. But all of our sins were put behind us in our Savior. It says in Hebrews 9, verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Turn over to Romans chapter 3, if you would. Back to the left, Romans chapter 3. This, the sin-tainted body of a man can never wash away their own sins. How can sin wash away sin? Men will spend an eternity trying to wipe away their own sin and it won't cleanse not one spot, not even one. The justice of God must be met and it must be met in perfection. Remember what we said a moment ago, he's holy. So holy he cannot look upon sin. So that means his justice must be met perfect, satisfied to the T. And the flesh of men cannot produce that. It must be met perfectly, for he is perfect and holy, and an imperfect man cannot do it. So how then? How can one be made holy? How can one be justified before a thrice holy God? Look over at verses 10 through 28 of Romans chapter 3. As it is written, Romans chapter 3 verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You can't unsee it once you've seen it. God's people are brought to know there is no righteousness in this flesh. Our spirit is, but it's only through Him. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. We know, don't we? We know that the Lord came and sought us first before we began to seek, seek Him. Amen. 
There are none that seeketh after God. They are all got out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues. They have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know. Now we know. Folks, we were blind before and we knew nothing. We thought all this world was all about us. We thought that everything going through this, we doing it our way. This is the way I want to do it. I'm not hurting anybody. No, now we know that whatsoever things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. I know that my Savior fulfilled that law for me. I don't have to follow the law. I want to. I desire to. I want with all my being to put away the sin from this flesh and follow after the law of my God, for the law is good. But I also know that when I stumble, then I will. By His grace, He has fulfilled it for me perfectly. Now we know that what things whoever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. See that? You can't earn it. You're not going to be able to work it out. Salvation is of the Lord. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested by witnessing by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, whosoever believeth. Are you one of the whosoever? If you are, you see the grace of God, and once you see the grace of God, you do not unsee it. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, unto all upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace. That's how you're justified. Folks, when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, he paid the penalty perfectly, in full. It says in God's word in Colossians, I believe, that we are complete in him. That means everything, complete, to the fullest. Every sin was paid for. We are justified in our Savior and in him alone. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, a payment, a passing over through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now listen carefully to these next words. 
Oh, how I wish the world could hear this with ears of the heart. Where is the boasting then? How many times have you heard somebody say, Oh, I've been, I was saved, and, and now that I'm saved, I do this. I do that. Oh, I go out and do this. We were talking about this earlier, Mike and I, about a church where uh, a person who goes there, 23 years, all I heard was what they did. What that person did. Not once did I have a discussion of, did your preacher talk about Christ today? Did your preacher tell, tell you anything about a Savior? <clears throat> no, it was things like, well, we had 14 people come to the church today who were hungry, and we fed them. One time, I actually went to that church. I actually went there three times, but I'll tell you about the one time. You know what I heard? <laughs> we watched a video on how St. Patrick went around all the countryside and opened up churches. Catholic churches. And this was in a Christian church. I couldn't believe it. We sat there, my brother Lee was with me, and we sat there and watched the video. And it had nothing to do about Christ. And they called it worship. God's people say this, where is the boasting? It sure isn't here in this flesh. It's not in this flesh that stands before you. It's not in the flesh that's sitting out here in the pews or any of you who are online. The boasting is in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. He's the one who justified me. I can't do it myself. This is what a little child, the Lord, in, in our Friday Night Bible study again, we were talking about oh, the Lord picking up the children. See, if, if you're not like one of these little children, you're... you're you're not going to come to heaven. How do you be a little child? Trust in Him. And trust only in Him. Oh, I don't do that very well. Neither do I. We close with these words. With man, it is impossible. Quit looking at yourself. Remember, it's Jesus who justifies us, not us. It's our Savior who justified us when he went to that cross and paid it all with his blood. Verse 27, where is the boasting then? It is excluded. It is shut out. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. By grace we are saved through faith, through belief. And it's not of us. Because if it was of us, we would boast in a moment, wouldn't we? Not of our works, but of His. We are justified by faith in Him. Therefore, uh, verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We are justified by faith in Him. We put all of our trust in Him. We turn it all over to Him. We have no confidence in the flesh. He is our justifications. Our sins were laid upon Him. He who knew no sin was made sin that we would be made righteous in Him. 
He bore our sins in his own body. He took our sins into the grave. And he is our justification. He is our propitiation, our payment. He paid the debt. Our sins were laid upon him. He is our mercy seat. And he's the blood that was shed on that mercy seat. Verse 24 tells us we were justified freely. That means it's no cost to us. But what a cost it was for the son of the living God. Can you imagine? Think about this for just a moment. Set your Bibles down and just consider for just a moment. Try, if you can, to put your mind around this. God turned his back on his son. Our sins were laid upon him. God the Father still couldn't look at him. He had to turn his back on his own son. This is what caused Christ to cry out, My God, my God. And that's our sins that were laid upon him. Not his, he sinned not at all. Our sins were laid upon him. This is our justification. This is how we can stand before God. This is how we can come to that throne of grace and say, Lord, have mercy on me again today. Do you need it every day? God's people need it every moment of every day. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Justified freely. Free to you and I. But what a cost it was for the Son of the living God to lay down his life for us. He who knew no sin was made sin that we would be made righteous in him. He who is God was manifest in the flesh. He humbled himself and he set his glory aside and he became a servant, a substitute, a scapegoat. You know what a scapegoat was? A scapegoat was where all the priests would lay their hands on the goat and, and a picture, a picture of the sins of the people being laid on that goat and they take that goat out of the camp and kill it. Our Lord was our scapegoat. He laid down his life for his sheep. He laid it down and then he took it up again. Wicked hands crucified our Lord, the Lord of glory, but it was by his determinate counsel and it was by his purpose. I am offended by you people who say, Jesus wants. Jesus is waiting for you. God deserves purpose to save a people unto himself and if God purposes something can anything get in the way of it no. if it can get in the way of your God he's false he's a figment of your imagination if something can get in the way of God you could not call him God but we're talking about the God of scriptures not a little God who is wanting or waiting but the God of might the God of all power, all power in heaven and earth and under the earth is what the scripture says, isn't it? All power belongs to him. Who or what can stay his hand? And if it is his will to save somebody, shall they not be saved? Look over at John chapter 17, if you would. Turn over to John chapter 17. 
And while you're turning there, allow me to read from Romans 8, verses 29 and 30, where it says, For whom he did foreknow. That means for whom God foreknew before the world ever began. Now, God knows everything. But this is a special foreknow. For whom he foreknew, for whom he had chosen from before the world was, he also did predestinate. Ooh, there's a word the world hates. You know why? Because it takes all of salvation out of man's hand and puts it in God's. It means that God's not waiting for you. But the day of his love, if you belong to him, you shall be saved. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, and above that, beyond what we just said, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. How can I be made holy? By my Savior, who called me with a holy calling. Called me out of the darkness that I once walked in, into his marvelous light. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, it says, them he also glorified. That's our third good word. How can I be glorified? Why is glorification such a good word for one who is such a sinner as I am? If there is no confidence, no righteousness in our flesh, how is it that we are glorified? What glorification is in us? What glorification is in John Reeves? Christ, the hope of glory. That's not this flesh. That's the one who dwells in the spirit. The one who dwells in the new heart. Our glory is not in what we do. It's not in what we are. It's not in anything that we have that is in this flesh, but what is in our spirit. We glory in him. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 17. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. What is John's glory? My Savior. My Lord, the one who saved me from what I deserve, the one who took what I deserve upon himself and gave me his righteousness. When you hear one speak, ask yourself this question. Who is glorified? All I heard from that minister, that man who stood up there on that stage, church. Look how glorified the people of this church are. Look at all the good stuff that we do. When you hear one speak, ask yourself this, who is it that's glorified? And the answer will reveal who their Lord is. I made a decision, they say. I walked the aisle. I got baptized. I come to the table. I gave myself again to the Lord. Where is the glory in those words? I? Me? Mine? 
Where is the glories in those words? Folks, I'll tell you. Here's where true glory lies. God became a man for us, for his people. This is a great blessing to those who know the Lord, to those who have experienced grace. God became a man for us. It's the only way he could do it. It's the only way he could save us. The only way he could wash our sins away was to become a man and die for us. Take him, lay down his life, shed his blood. There is no remission of sins without blood. Remember that? If it's not your blood, because your blood's not worth it, perfect blood must be shed, right? And the God-man laid down his life. The God-man took it up again because he is God himself. Death could not hold him. The God-man is sitting on his throne right now, ruling as he will, saving whom he will, and when he will. Where are the glory in those words? Him. His. Do you see what I mean about our glorification? It's in Him. Just as all things are in Him, of Him and for Him. All glory is His and He will not share it with another. Are you with me in John chapter 17? Look with me if you would, beginning at verse 9. Our Lord says some very important words here in, a, in His priestly prayer. Now He is, he is uh, the hour has almost come, as He says over in verse 1. He says, glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also glorify Thee. And over in verse 9 He says these words. He says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified where? Did you know that the Christ Jesus is glorified in us? When the Lord God Almighty works grace in the hearts of one of his people, it glorifies him, doesn't it? He's glorified in us, exercising his grace upon us. Even his glory doesn't come from us. It comes from him. <laughs> I am glorified in them, and now I am no more, verse 11, in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they, these ones who are one with him, they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. 
As thou hast set, sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither, I, neither pray I thee for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me from before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So, we see the glory of Christ is what dwells inside of us, him being in us, and us being in him. Folks, I'm telling you, sanctification is in Christ. We are made holy in him, and only in him. Salvation is of the Lord. Justification is in Christ. The justice of God was met by him. God provided himself a sacrifice, and only Christ could have done that. And glorification, three words. Three words that bless the socks off of a child of God, one who is a sinner. Glorification is in Christ Jesus the Lord. We give him all the glory, the glory in calling us out of darkness, the glory in saving us from our sins, and the glory in keeping us into eternity. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Let's sing about